Hallelujah. Wow. Please be seated. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Oh, my goodness. What a play. That was, that was amazing. Like, that was incredible. It looked very professional and very put together, and it, it's all the kids. Kids are always amazing. Well, most of the time, they're amazing, right? Amen? Today, they were amazing. That was awesome, you know? But even in some of the unamazing times, it's a time to learn. It's a time as parents to grow and learn, and it's a time for the children to learn. Amen. We always uh, raising our kids, and I, mean, I got the full house of kids here today, so praise God. Um, raising our kids, you know, sometimes, anyone ever had two-year-olds? There's a term they call it. I don't need to say it, but... Uh, they call the TT or the terrible twos or something like that. But, um, but anyways, it's uh, uh, when kids are learning and growing as parents, they're teaching us to learn and grow. They're teaching us, giving us wisdom, teaching us wisdom. Uh, maybe gray hair, but they say that that can be a sign of wisdom. And we celebrate it. And as adults, it's no different. As a, as a church body, it's, it's the same. When we go through tough times, it's to actually teach us how to become stronger. Not how to become depressed, but how to become stronger. And so when things happen that don't always go well, we have to make a decision and a choice. Are we going to let this affect us and bring us down, or are we actually going to look at it and have victory over it? What I wanted to talk today about, and I'm excited to be home. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm actually home like all of the rest. Well, I, got a, I go to Yelm, Washington uh, this week, but it's Thursday, Friday. I'm back Saturday, so I'm here uh, right through till January 2nd. I'm excited. And uh, then on January 2nd, I'm off to Moscow, Russia again, to our churches. We have six churches in Russia now, and it's growing. It's just amazing, the revival that's breaking out in Russia. I was just there a month ago. And a month and a half, no, a month ago, a little over a month ago. And uh, the revival in the young people, wow, it's, it's breathtaking. When a government starts restricting God, true believers will not be restricted by God, by the government. They're going to be freed by God no matter what circumstance you're in. And so we're trusting that the Russian president, I've, I've learned not to, to say, use his name verbally a lot in Russia. I just say the Russian president, the Russian government, we pray for them. And, and the fire of God, I don't want Gestapo running. No, I guess not Gestapo. Whoever running in and grabbing me. But, um, and we celebrate that God appoints people into the government. And uh, sometimes we kind of wonder about Canada's government, you know, but I'm really wondering about it. There's some decisions that I... It's safe to be in complete disagreement with someone's decisions, but it's not safe to slander them. So I want to talk about preparing food as a church, as a family. How many of you like to prepare food? Just put your hand up. You actually really enjoy it. Yeah. How many of you actually like to eat food? Put your hand up. Well, that's a lot bigger amount of hands. There was like literally a half a dozen people that put their hand up for preparing food. It wasn't very many here. And uh, uh, I mean, I personally, I'm not really big on preparing it. I love the end product, but I'm not super big on the preparation of it. it takes a lot of time, right? Well, I mean, you can microwave things and get a TV dinner. That's how I used to 
eat before I got married, I would order enough Chinese food that would last me for four or five days. It was wonderful. It was beautiful in my fridge, exactly, you know? And then, then, then I started dating Sharon, and once in a while she would take a look at my sink. And, uh, you know, my feeling was, why do dishes? I just wash the one I need, right? So there was just in the, in the sink. And I would just, I would always have water on the dish so the, the food would be soft to wipe. And then I would use the plate again. It seemed to make sense. Why expel the extra energy? I mean, it takes effort to buy dish soap. It takes effort to mix it and put hot water in the sink. It takes effort to then dry them and then put them into the cupboard when I'm the only one in the house. So, I mean, at my little apartment, so it doesn't matter. But. So I think Sharon, uh, when we were engaged, she came over and she would do the dishes. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. 30 years of happy marriage later, she's still doing dishes. Uh, um, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, see, my kids are laughing the loudest of everyone right now, because my, f- I'm, I'm digging a hole. My feet, I do the garbage, okay? Well, now I don't, I have a son that does the garbage, you know, but it's like, I, I travel, there, thank you for saving me, Barb. Dig me out of the hole, thank you, I travel. I never do dishes when I'm traveling. The hotels do it, so praise God. Okay. Oh, Lord. Preparing food as a church, the reason I'm talking about it is because there's a lot of people preparing right now, and you prepared food. If you you were on the list to bring stuff, you brought stuff. If you aren't on the list to bring stuff, you're called to eat with us right after the service. Don't feel bad if you didn't bring anything. Just come with us downstairs to eat. Amen? Oh. She never... Grab the mic. People need to hear this, okay? Come on. Like, this, is, this has got to be recorded. Hang on. This is my wife, Sharon. I just want to say I never worry about my car having fuel. The one time he was on, ho- on away, I had to fuel up my car. And She's I go, owned the car for a couple years already, just to I let you know. I went to the gas station, and I didn't know how to get into my tank. <laughs> I had to go to work and confess it. Low light is on. My boss Googled it and told me how to do it so I could go after work to get fuel. <laughs> I never worry about my car needing oil. Everything's looked after. So there are things that he does. <laughs> this, this is... But this is how marriage works. You work it out. She's better at making the dinners. I'm better at eating them. But you know what? Yeah, we'll look after the mechanics of it and the vehicles. And she purchased one car in her life. It was a brand new little Honda Civic. She actually paid cash for it before I, just before I met her, met Sharon. She actually paid cash. Who saves up enough money to buy a brand new Honda Civic with cash? It's amazing. She's amazing. And uh, she bought it, and uh, she was driving it, and we, we were dating at the time. And, and uh, let me just say, it's probably wise to stop at the stop signs that say stop for a train track, okay? Um, anyways, the, so one of those obscure stop signs 
in the middle of nowhere that no one, there's never a train on those tracks. You know, these ones down here on, we call it the interprovincial, the Bradner-Harris Road thing, you know, that little cut. And uh, the pickup truck in front of her went through and she just followed it and heard the horn of the train and hit her brakes. And let me tell you, between a Honda Civic and a fully loaded train, I'll tell you which one won. <laughs> but thank you, Lord, she was safe and she, bruised her ankle and whatnot. But why am I saying this? Uh, I don't actually don't know. But um, <laughs> to actually praise my wife, because she actually taught me how to do better with saving money. <laughs> because I just, I'm a missionary kid. I grew up broke. And so for me, money was God in a lot of ways. And I just bought. I worked hard, but I bought. I paid, I bought everything. And and married my amazing wife 30 years ago, and, uh, and things changed, and it's amazing. And actually, I started to give to the church. <laughs> Before, it was like, what are you talking about? It's my hard-earned money. And uh, she used to give the most, and she wouldn't tell me the numbers all the time. And, uh, and then I found out and realized, you know what, it's interesting because you gave so much finances without me knowing about it, but yet we're being blessed upon blessings. But I didn't understand the full reason why. And then I did. And so now we kind of look at each other and many times my number's bigger than her number and we always go with the bigger number when we give. If it's giving to somebody on the street, that's what we do. If it's giving to missions, if it's giving to the local church, that's what we do. Amen? So we have a, an amazing marriage, we're in an amazing season of life, but a proper marriage and a proper family is actually what church life is supposed to be. Everything in scripture that talks about the goodness of family is brought back to the community, the tribe of a local church. It literally is. Some people say, well, the local church isn't of today. That's actually not true. Absolutely not true. You cannot pull that from scripture with a good conscience. <laughs> it's constantly, there's two words for church, ecclesia, which means the governmental structure of his kingdom on earth, and the second is oikos, which is the family. And you can't divide those two. If you divide and you just do family without the move of his spirit, now then you're getting into a traditional stubborn mindset that many times stops the growth, and it's called what we call in, in, as pastors a one-generational church. It lasts as long as the people are alive, but there's no more young people, and it dies. And right now, there's tons of churches closing their doors. And I thank you that Windward is growing, because I really, truly believe that family has to be the center focus of everything we do. Preparing food as a church. Let's take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Because what, what we're, we're going to start with verse 1, but just a minute before we put it up. Because what it has to transpire here is it takes time to prepare food. It takes effort. Somebody who prepares a dinner has thought about it sometime in advance, has looked at the recipe, read it well, has actually gone to the local church store and bought the ingredients that they need to celebrate a dinner with family, with friends, with whoever it might be, maybe by themselves, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. It takes a long time with different ingredients to prepare a, a, a good meal. And I want to tell you quickly about a story in a little town called Los Burros. And it's basically a lost donkey is what it means, Los Burros. 
And when we were in ministry as missionary evangelists down in Mexico many years ago, that we, I was blessed to be able to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time into Los Burros. Now, there was a little church. It was a town, a community of about 200, maybe 220 people max. It was a, 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 had a Catholic church, a building there, yet many of the people didn't even go to that. And uh, it was so hard to get to. It, it, with, for the 112 kilometers... 90, I think 90 of those kilometers were in, in the dirt, in the sand, but it took me 10 hours of driving to do the 90 kilometers in 4x4. Four four. So I've got, oh, heaven forbid, I had a Dodge one-ton dually at that time, and uh, Earl, <laughs> I, I have this thing with Dodges and Fords. And uh, I, I've owned both, and I now have a Ford, and I have, have bought another Ford, so this is, you understand where my perspective is. But anyways, I was driving this Dodge, and we got this whole building supplies and a whole team from Canada here. And we're going in because they've been trying to build this little Christian church. There was one family that was saved. They had come to the city, the city of La Paz, and I had led them to Jesus at one of our meetings. They went back, and for two years, he was trying to build a church in the desert. He would walk two, three hours to find a little tree that he could cut down with his handsaw. And it, it ends up being, I think, what they call like ironwood. And so he would sit there as I'm talking to him, drilling with a hand drill, because there's no electricity, no running water. The only running water was out of a hole in the rock where everybody would get their drinking water from. That was it. And so he's drilling, and I, I would talk with him for three hours, four hours, talking about the Word of God and his family, and, uh, and he would be drilling for two hours, and he wouldn't even get through one hole. And I'm thinking, you're going to take forever to build this church, man. <laughs> like, you've got like, you know, maybe five or six twigs up right now, or branches, and uh, that's it. So I got a hold of Canada, and I said, hey, why don't we do a building team? And sure enough, we gathered a group of people together. I brought my generator in. We loaded all this plywood and lumber. And here we are out there in Los Burros building this church building. Now, kids came from the village because they hadn't seen cordless drills before. And I've got a generator that hadn't seen a skill saw running through plywood as fast as that was. And so here we've got all these little kids, and we're teaching them how to screw a screw with a cordless drill. We built the church, the whole outside, framed and, and sheeted in in one day. At the end of the day, we built all the benches out of the remaining plywood that we had. The very next day, I went down into the village. We were sort of up on the hill, but it's a dangerous place to go into. Most people would do it by boat, by pongas, but the road going in was so steep. I was in four-wheel drive low, and my tires are slipping on the rocks, and it's just a sheer cliff, and there's cars that have rolled over down there. And so I was down in the main area just talking with people, and they're all hearing about the church being built on the little hill. And they're all watching it. It's now painted white the second day. It got all painted. And it had a grass roof, a palm roof on it. And uh, uh, so I said, hey, I want to invite you guys. We're, we're going to do a movie. We're going to do a movie in the new church. It's a movie you're going to want to see. 
It's about someone you believe in, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we're going to do a movie with him. Come on up. And I went to every person in that village to invite them up. On my way back up in the afternoon from, from downtown, uh, the downtown, the, the little village, main core, uh, here's the one vehicle that was in the village. It was a Toyota 4x4 lifted with tires to be able to get in and out. And these guys were all fishermen. And they, would all, they all put their efforts together to be able to send the one person with all the different families' fish to drive the 10 hours into the city of La Paz to, to get rid of the fish. He would bring the whole truck back with ice. And as long as the ice was good for a day or two, they'd cover it over, they'd catch all the fish they can. But what I'm saying is, even the families that didn't like each other, that there was division in, knew they had to work, to get, had to work together to become successful, to become fruitful. Before, they would run their boats for two and a half hours, burning tons and tons of fuel in their little pongas, and the weather was bad and rough, and all these things happened. They saved more money letting go of the indifferences and coming together to pay this one driver, one guy, the pickup truck. And that's how they started to make it. So how they actually started preparing food was through unity. They started to realize that we can work together, even though many of us in this little village dislike each other, we can still co-labor together. And that night, or that afternoon, I was coming up, and the Toyota had a flat tire with a full load of fish in it. And the ice was melted fast, melting fast. I had always carried a little 12-volt air pump with a plug kit for a tire if I had to fix my own tire. In all the years of driving through Mexico and the Baja and the deserts, evangelizing four by four out in the middle of nowhere, I never had a flat tire. It's just like the blessing of God was on it. My tire never, I never did I have a flat. I had a flat in California on the trailer, but never down in Mexico. And I thought, you know what? These guys, they're very inge in, 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 ingenious, ingenuity. And I thought, you know what? Hang on, I'm going to offer my help. I just finished inviting all these people tonight. And so I stopped. And I said, hey, you guys have a flat? Yeah, 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 you know. And uh, they weren't able to, to, to fix it. He didn't have a spare. The fish was, was, the ice was melting fast. And I said, you know what? I have a pump. So they had already hooked in uh, to a spark plug. They pulled a spark plug out and they hook a hose in to a cylinder. And then they start the engine up and use the compression of one piston pumping in. It's pumping fuel and everything in, but, they, you know. And then they try to ignite it, but they didn't have a plug kit. I said, hey, I've got a plug kit. What? I said, yeah, I've got one. I've got one just for you. What? I've been carrying it around just for you. I said, this is how Jesus works. And I went to the back of my truck. Oh, Lord, please show me where that thing is and let it be here. I haven't seen it for like three years or four years, you know. And I'm looking and boom, it was right on top. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I grabbed the little plug kit, you know, the, the, the little screwdriver looking thing with the little sticky 
rubber stuff and, and goop, and I went over to them, and, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I'd actually plugged a tire before. I'd seen someone plug one years ago, and I said, oh, yeah, no problem, you know, I'm cleaning it out, and I'm thinking, that's actually a pretty big hole, like it was a big hole, and I thought, you know, I better put like three of these plugs together to fill this thing, you know, and not supposed to do that. I did. I wrapped it all up and stuck it in there and, and had my little snips and snipped it off, and they're like, We've been working on this thing for three hours. And uh, they still went ahead and inflated it with their, their piston in the engine. And, uh, and then they poured a little gasoline around it and lit it on fire. And the thing set the bead and pumped up. And the guy who owned the truck was actually the senior leader, like the mayor guy of the whole village. No, I didn't know that. No one would come to the new church because he said, you can't go. I had no idea at this point who he was. But guess who ended up showing up that night? We couldn't fit the people into our new church building. We had at least a third of the people outside the building. We had built it too small. We did the Jesus movie, short version. I shared my testimony. And 90% of that village received Jesus Christ. I, I tell you what, we have to be ready to make food or fish. Be a fisherman, fisher person. What's the politically correct way of saying it? I don't know. Fisher person. Fisherman. Amen. We had to come back, make another trip back into the village with twice as much plywood and framing to extend the church building. We took the end wall off and just added twice as much. And to this day, it's a thriving church in the village. And there's been prosperity of abundant levels of fish coming from Los Burros. More than most other villages, Los Burros is known now for the best and most amount of fish caught. Think of it. I, I, you, anyways, okay. Whew. But they had to work together to make it productive, to make food. So let's take a look. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. We have to prepare to eat food, but first we must wash our hands. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, laying aside all malice, that we should not live with an attitude of, of, of malice in us, that if we have that attitude in us, that we have got to shift and change. We have, there's something that's got to change. We've got to wash our hands before we eat. How many of you know if you don't wash your hands before you eat, the risk of bacteria infection is much higher, Right? If you're out working on a septic system, how many of you want to wash your hands after working on it? Speaking from experience of my time yesterday morning, praise God. <laughs> and Sharon and I, we, we live in a trailer, so it wasn't from us. Laying aside all malice, 
All malice. What? Some of you are looking at me. What does malice mean? <laughs> it's kakia is the original word. Kind of like kaka. <laughs> kakia. It means depravity. Wrong alignment. It means trouble. It means naughtiness. Wickedness. Laying aside all trouble. Laying aside all naughtiness. In other words, doing the wrong thing. uh, Trying to hide a sin. Laying aside the issues uh, uh, that, that are going on. The problems in your life. You have to lay that aside. And if you start to lay aside the malice, then you can start laying aside all deceit. What is deceit? The word, the original text is dolos. And it's, it's from a, a, a very primitive word, uh, uh, probably meaning to, de- the, 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 it's like a decoy. It's like uh, a bait. So when, when a hunter, let's say a duck hunter, Chris, when a duck hunter is hunting for ducks, what do they do? They, many of them put these little fake ducks out in the water. It's called a decoy. And then the hunters, you know, and the ducks are flying so high, and the, I know the size of their head, the brain can't be that big. And they go swooping down because they think, hey, there's a bunch of female ducks down there. And they come, as they're swooping in, all of a sudden they get a real wake-up call. They never hear the boom. And the hunter's pulling the trigger. That's what this is. Laying aside all deceit. Laying aside the trickery. Laying aside the things that, are, that, that you are, in, are showing people who you are, but yet deep inside you're not that person. <laughs> Laying aside, coming to church, I'm a holy Christian, and the rest of the week, your workers would look at you and say, I don't see any Christianity. You're a decoy to the wrong side. Laying aside hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? It's hypocrisis. Hypocrisis. <laughs> That's what the word is. It literally means that you're always in a crisis hyper amount of the time. But... The other side of the word is that's what you speak about other people to help your hypocrisy. That you'll slander, you'll speak poorly about someone else to build yourself up. That's called hypocrisy. Laying aside all envy. Thonos. It's exactly what it means. Envy. Because if we carry envy in a family or in our life, we'll never let anyone else become greater than we think we are. I'm going to hold on to my position. No one's going to get up here and preach the Bible in my pulpit. No one's going to tell me what to do in my family. No one's going to help me because I hear from God alone. 
you're actually living in a border of what they call envy. You're trying to be better and greater than you are in your own mind. But why don't we envy what's in God's kingdom and go after that? Because the envy that's being talked about here is the love and the lust of the world. All evil speaking. All evil speaking. That word speaking is katalalia. Katalalia. And it means defamation, backbiting, and evil speaking. So how do we wash our hands as a church? How do we wash our hands as Christians? How do we wash our hands? If we want to come together as a family to have dinner, how do we wash our hands? Well, it's right there. Get rid of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. But what's our food? If we're learning how to wash our hands. Now we have to have food. Well, this is it. This is it. This is the first food into our body. Because after we look after verse 1, we move into verse 2 and 3. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 2. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word. In other words, when we get rid of the malice, the deceit, the hypocrisy, the envy, and the evil speaking amongst each other, when we get rid of that, we actually are living like newborn babes. We literally become newborn babes for life if we continue to follow what the word of the Lord is saying. I am not, I, am, I do not know it all. I don't know. I've studied this book. I've read it in and out. I've been to seminary. I studied it. And every time I open it, there's more revelation coming to life. And so I'm staying a new baby, a newborn babe. I just want to drink milk, 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 milk. And I'm lactose intolerant. I mean, except for ice cream and milkshakes. No, I'm just kidding, no. Believe me, a good milkshake makes me a little, oof. What do you think? As newborn babes, because we've got rid of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking with each other, we're now newborn babies. And we desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, uh, how many have tasted that the Lord is good? He's gracious. We should never lose that taste. We need to build God's church. Verse 4 and 5, it, it talks about, we're going to read it here in a minute, that we need to come to God. We're living stones. Some of us more like stones than living, right? But we need to be living stones. If you're a dead stone... This is the wrong place. Because we want to bring life, not death. Let's look at uh, uh, verse 4, chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Coming to him, that's Jesus, as to, the, to a living stone. He's the living stone. He's the foundation, the cornerstone. The cornerstone of the foundation. He was rejected indeed by men. Oh, anyone ever been rejected by men or man? Male or female? But chosen by God and precious. He's actually referring, if you read the, the primary context of this verse, is saying that through Jesus Christ, 
who is the living stone, you might be rejected by men, but you have been chosen by God and he sees you as precious. Verse five, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a spiritual house. This is a spiritual house. That's what this is. It's a spiritual family. Because there's no need for a house without a family. If there's no family, you don't build a house. You build a house for your family. Or in this valley, rent. Or apartment. Or for me, a fifth wheel trailer. As living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are put together as a spiritual house. That's what we are. We're we literally offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. We just heard about the, the, his birth story here. It's not once upon a time. It was 2,000 and some years ago. It's amazing. It's a reality. It's not just in the Bible. It's in many history books that this took place. It's actually one of the most known history records, that and his death in all the world. It's amazing from history perspective. He was the ultimate sacrifice. Well, how do we become these sacrifices? Oh, works. Oh, no, 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 but, but grace says that salvation is not by works. Oh, I'm not talking about your salvation. That's a free will. That's a choice you make if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will, you will, you're saved. But I'm talking about now you're in the family, you've got saved, you're in the family, what next? Well, my son took over garbage duties. Thank you, Jesus. Daughters are taking over washing the dishes duties. You know what? It was amazing. Sam and Chris are up now and... and I didn't even mow the lawn the last few months of our mowing season. I came home from my trips and it was mowed. You see, things start happening and, and people start working, doing duties, thinking over things. You can't, you can't have a marriage without work. You can't even raise your children without you working. How do we become these sacrifices? Works. Oh, here's a big one. Giving your money away. Tithes and offerings. Well, tithing's not of today. It's Old Covenant. Uh, you're wrong. It was before Old Covenant was written. Well, I don't want to give my money to any church. That's because you've had a bad experience and you no longer trust. So God's asking you to trust him. Not by your past, but by the value of your future. That's one way of, of being a, 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 a literal sacrifice to him. Obeying God's word is a sacrifice in your own life. It's a sacrifice of sin. Having faith is a sacrifice of unbelief. Testimony, worship, how do we sang this morning. That's, a, that's like a sacrifice to God from us is our worship. It's a beautiful thing. Living a joyous lifestyle is what this all brings. In verse 7, Jesus is the cornerstone or the beginning of the foundation, and whoever puts their trust in him will not be put to shame. But let's look at verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, because this talks about who you are. 
Because if we follow through with what we're talking about here, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. You're all special. In my day and age, being called special was not always good. You're a special people. Why? So that you may proclaim the praises of God, the praises of Jesus, who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Well, how do you, how do you call out the praises when you're angry at somebody or someone has treated you wrongly? And every time you wake up in the morning, all you can think about is the bad stuff that someone's done or happening. And when you go to bed, it keeps you awake at night, the bad stuff that someone has done. What's happening is their actions have held us in bondage. But their actions of people aren't to hold us in bondage. The actions of Jesus Christ hold us in bondage to him. And he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the highest commanding general. He's the commander of the army of the Lord. And he is not on his throne in a a depressed atmosphere. He is on the throne in an atmosphere of victory and power and authority. And he is looking for the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, because we're all chosen, but we have to choose to become royal priesthood. You're all chosen. I'm chosen by God before the foundations of the earth were laid. Jeremiah 1.5 While you're being formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I sanctified you. You see, we've all been chosen, but are you living the royal priesthood lifestyle? What does that look like? Knowing that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you're a son or a daughter of the King. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Pressing toward the goal. Not that I have already attained. I haven't attained. I I travel 150,000 miles in an aircraft this year. We've got over 40 churches and ministries around the world now. I haven't attained. I still want to be a babe looking for the milk of his word. I'm looking for the kingdom of heaven lifestyle in my own life. I I thought originally I could change the world when I was a young one. And now I'm crying out, oh God, just just change me. Change me as if, if I'm changed, then the power of testimony around will change the world. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. I mean, I'm close. Sorry. I haven't attained. I'm not perfected. I don't want the Wi-Fi password, share Wi-Fi password. Who's trying to get onto my thing? Is someone trying to get my notes? I'm just kidding. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already laid hold of me. I press on. Oh, it's hard going. How much do I jump up and down for travel? It used to seem so, oh, wow, I get to fly in an airplane. I tell you what, 
After 150,000 miles a year, you want to travel in an airplane? Are you nuts? Especially when I have such a good thing going here at home. I have a good church family. I mean, why would I want to get in an airplane and travel away from here? Because God has purposes and plans for every one of us. And if we walk in his season, in the season that he has in our lives, then we, he gives us the grace to get up at 3 a.m. to go drive to the Vancouver airport, to fly in from who knows where with date changes and time changes and wake up and, and you're looking at a hotel and you're like, where am I? And you have to get your day timer out to check what city you're in. But I press on. <laughs> There is no devil that's going to hold me back from the calling of God in my life. You can do anything you want to do against me, but it is not going to stop me from believing who I am through Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. You can write whatever you want on Facebook. I don't give two hoots other than I'm going to unfriend you if it's really negative. I have the power to do that on my own wall. I learned that. My kids showed me how. Then they said, but... Dad, if you unfriend them, then they know you unfriended them. Maybe you should just, what is it? Unfollow. I said, no, actually, at this point in time, I want them to know that they're cursing people out there. Who made you God? Who made me God? I'm not. He's God. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I look at every one of you. I look into that camera right now, and I say, press on. Don't give up. Don't run from your issues or problems. That's not going to solve nothing. You're going to bring them with you. We have to press on to the high calling that God has for you and for me. Verse 13. Brethren. I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm forgetting the bad stuff that's behind me because I'm not going to carry it into my future. What problems and issues were yesterday, I am not bringing them into today. Or I destroy my opportunity of today. Yeah, but I'm just broke and poor all the time. Or you don't know my problem. You don't know my situation. You don't know my health. You don't know my family issue. You don't, I don't need to know it. I don't want to know it. God knows it, and you know it. And if all the problems are defining who we are, then we're listening to the wrong voice. Because the voice I hear from heaven, the voice I hear in the Word is you all are overcomers. And you can choose to be royal priesthood. You're overcomers. You're not undercomers. You're overcomers. You're not defeated. Nothing can hold you down. Rise up in victory. That's our destiny and our call. And our kids gave a message today about the best thing that could ever have happened in this world. The world that was in such a fallen state. 
And that best thing was a babe born in a manger. His name is Jesus Christ. And there's all these other gods, false gods that are out there. And they've all died or will die. But this one, he's the only one that rose from the grave. Whatever religion you have heard about, every one of them, their gods have died. But this one rose again to bring you and me victory to bring us into the royal priesthood family so we can forget what is behind and we can reach forward to what is ahead to win the race called life. Don't look back. Learn from testimony, absolutely. Don't look back. Look forward to everything that God has called you before you were born. He's called us as destiny. He's called us as the future of his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Maybe man has molested you Maybe you felt defeated. Maybe you felt beat up. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been holding such a burden in your heart. And it's created negativity. It's created anger. It's created hurt. It's created pain. Maybe someone's done something to you that, that you feel is unforgivable. Let me tell you something. There is no unforgivable sin through Jesus Christ. There's some unpardonable ones blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, absolutely adding to and taking away from the Word of God. If you try to rewrite the Bible in your interpretation alone and it doesn't stand on the Word, be careful. We call this ministry wind word for a reason, the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing in the Word of God. Because whatever we do here, we want to have it founded in God. And some people say, oh, no, you know, wrong spirit. I don't like the spirit in Windward. What it is is you're just not used to joy and happiness. Maybe you're not even used to a family. Maybe you just get offended at the black walls. Maybe you get offended that I have an untucked shirt and not wearing a tie and a suit. Well, guess what? If that's going to keep you from being part of a family, then you're going to be a lonely person. Because the tie and the suit jacket, jeans, not jeans, isn't going to keep you out of the family of God. We have to realize that our mind, our understanding, is not the way unless it lines up with the way, the truth, life. I look at my daughter. She's got big holes in her jeans. I mean, you pay like lots of money for these jeans now. As a missionary kid, I wore them because we didn't have enough money to buy jeans and everyone laughed at me. I even had our drummer Jeremy say, Brent, you know, Pastor Brent, all you need now is some holes in your jeans. I'm like, (laughs) 
I'm getting there. Becky says, oh yeah, look at her jeans. My goodness. Styles come and styles go. I used to have long hair. Now I have short. Now most people don't even know who I am when I travel. It's awesome. I don't have to sit and talk to them all the time. But I'll tell you one thing, there's someone who does know who you are, no matter if your jeans have holes in it or you have long hair or short hair, you have no hair, it doesn't matter. Because there's one that knows you so well that he was willing to die for you. And his name is Jesus Christ. Let's all stand. Because I smell the food waffling up from the basement. And my tummy is starting to say, be quiet, Brent. Let's wash our hands today. You're holding an issue or a problem, or you think everybody else has the problem and you don't, then you have to wash your hands. You've been hurt, so devastated by people or by something that happened in your life. Could even be the loss of a loved one. You have to grieve, absolutely. You have to wash your hands. And how do we do that? You forgive. Well, I can't forgive that person. Yeah, actually, it's your duty. Because God know, knew that if you don't forgive the ones who put you on a cross, you'll make it so you'll never, ever be a sacrifice. Jesus was put on a cross, blameless, no sin. Many times, you and I, we put ourselves on a cross. And we have to, remember the old phrase, carry the burden of the cross. I, I just can't stand that phrase. Jesus carried that burden for me. I'm actually not on a cross. I'm a, I'm a prince, the son of God. I'm adopted into the family. I, I'm not going to let someone put a cross on my shoulders through their lack of identity. Does it hurt? Absolutely. But I'm going to walk in the victory of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some of you have felt like you've been hanging on a cross. Well, it's not your destiny. Maybe you've been carrying such a big bag on your shoulder of weight uh, and God's, God does not want you to carry that. Lay it at his cross, but not yours. And how do we release those, that, that, that hurt, that pain? It has to start the same way God chose to release his pain from what Adam and Eve did in the garden of sin. What did he do? He sacrificed his son. So you and I don't have to carry that burden because he loves us so much. I want to ask you this morning, maybe you're here today. Maybe you never have given your life to Jesus Christ as Kevin talked about earlier. Or maybe you have, but you just haven't been feeling that you've been living that life. And I'm talking to the camera as well too. 
I want to ask you today with your, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Just, you don't have to do it, but I just feel it's always better. Between you and God, and you, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, but you're scared uh, as your Lord and Savior, but you're scared that, oh no, everyone thinks I'm a Christian and da, da, da. I don't care what everyone thinks because what's happening is they're putting you in bondage. You're allowing the bondage. All that matters is between you and God. That's it. And I want to ask you here today, maybe you have, have not been living that life. It's like, man, I don't feel like I'm saved anymore, but I need that. I need Jesus. I, I just need to confess with my mouth one more time. I, I just need to bring him back into my life. Uh, if you're here and you've never done that, or you're here and you want to do that again here today, just quickly put your hand up quickly. I just want to pray with you quickly. Is there anybody? I want to give you opportunity. Is there anybody here that wants to receive Jesus Christ? I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anybody else here today? Anybody else? I want to give you that opportunity that this is the day that the Lord has made. And in this day, there's going to, I see that hand. They're going to rejoice in this day. Because it says in the scriptures uh, that when one gives their life to Jesus Christ, the heavens rejoice. The heavens rejoice. So let's pray together quickly. If you raised your hand, I want us all to pray together. Maybe you were scared to raise your hand. We're still going to pray together. Say this prayer. Repeat after me this prayer. We call it a sinner's prayer, but it's not. It's just a prayer opening of confession to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I give you my life today. Come into my life and change me. Thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, or you, pray, you prayed that prayer as a rededication of life, I want you to talk to one of us, the leadership. We're going to have an altar team just come up here quickly. And uh, I know we're going to release, each, uh, release all of us for, for going down below. But I want to ask you one more question. Maybe you know Jesus Christ, you're on fire for God, or you've been feeling a little bit lukewarm or something, but you're listening to the word that Justin gave. And there's a door, two doors, and you get to choose which one to step into. I want to encourage you right now. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes one more time. Let's feel like the Lord is speaking something here today. Matter of fact, I don't feel it. I know the Lord is speaking today. And you've just been feeling like lukewarm. You've just been feeling like, or maybe, maybe there's so much weight and burdens on your shoulder that it's created this lukewarm feeling and maybe even a cold type feeling. Maybe you, you've been, you just can't get these thoughts out of your mind about the fence or, 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 and it keeps you awake and you struggle with it. Or, or maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's a, a child that's gone wayward. Maybe whatever the circumstance is that's taking your focus away from God and you center focusing on problems and issues maybe it's even an illness or a sickness I'll tell you one of the best ways to get rid of your diseases and sicknesses is joy of the Lord is your strength don't let any sickness hold you down 
pray in the blood of Jesus Christ to be gone in Jesus' name. Any sickness in here right now, be gone in Jesus' name. You have a tumor, you have cancer, be gone in Jesus' name. You do not deserve to live in this family in Jesus' name. Any cancers I'm talking about, any sicknesses, they don't deserve this family. This family is a family of God. So any sicknesses, go. Do you hear what I'm saying? In Jesus' name, that you've got a sickness, just repeat and say, in Jesus' name, get out of my body now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. But maybe you've been feeling that little bit down or that little bit burnt out or that little bit fried. Maybe the Christmas season is wearing you out. Maybe you've just been struggling with finances. Whatever has been focusing in your mind other than the joy of the Lord and God doing things, just bow your head and close your eyes and put your hands up real quick. Just put your hand up and we'll pray with you. I see those hands, many hands, many hands, many hands, many hands. Any one of our hands could go up because we all need to grow stronger and be more fired for God. I see all those hands. So Father, I pray right now, Lord God, uh, Wow, I just, I saw like a fresh wind of his spirit come in here <laughs> and just blow through this house, Lord God. Mighty tongues of fire, roaring, rushing wind of your spirit, Father. It's interesting, I, I, I'm, I'm in a vision right now and it's like I see, I don't know if it's angelic or if it's Jesus himself with every person with their hands raised, literally lifting off burdens off your back in the spirit realm saying, you don't carry them, I am taking them from you, says Jesus. And I just thank you, Father, that our burdens are being lifted. And the most important thing with miraculous things is you never try to process and figure it out. Just let it happen. And then live in the understanding that you're already in victory and that it has happened. So that when we finish this service today and we go downstairs, that you and I know in our mindset that we are changed. Because if we think I haven't changed, guess what? You're not going to change. But I know there's been change in this house today. There's change in this family. There's change in some of the visitors visiting. We welcome you again. And we thank you. So, Father, we thank you for all the great things that you have done, Lord God. That we're forgetting what is behind. And we're reaching forward to what is ahead. Because we win this race uh, because the war has already been won jesus christ is the victor which gives us the victory in his name to walk this earth as light and not darkness uh, that darkness will flee from the light that is within us uh, jesus christ the holy spirit empowering us that we become the light of this world as the power of testimony of jesus christ and all the people said Amen. And bless the food, Lord God, downstairs. All the hands that have prepared and put it together and set up the tables and did everything for us. Just bless each hand that has served and helped in this capacity. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.